my goodness me. Here it is, predictable, well choreographed, perfectly rehearsed. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Grassroots, the top rugby podcast focused on the grassroots women's game. In this sports massage of a podcast, Sherry gets beaten up in the name of rest and relaxation, Molly goes off on one about the new tackle height laws, and we discuss post and pre-match gloating. Our interview is with the awesome Avon Mouth Clares ladies, where we hear all about the Oggy Man and rugby in the Bristol area. Jodie's in the wars again, and we remind Lou of some ill-thought-through comments in a previous episode. 22 months out with a triple knee operation. She runs in, tries I'm to I'm Lou. I'm Molly. I'm Joyce. And I'm Jodie. And I'm Matt. This is Grassroots. Coincidentally, it worked for work, and then when uh, I want to use it for social things, uh, porn. aren't porn. So yeah, <laughs> when I want to whack the porn stash out and get on uh, Pornhub, <laughs> it didn't work. So <laughs> quite disappointing, to be honest. Uh, you raised tonight in the podcast because you know how to do a pre-pod wank. <laughs> pre-pod wank. And here we go. Welcome back. <laughs> pre-pod pull. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to get the peas. People pull. No, yeah. pre pleasure. Pre- People pleasure. Porn. I was going to say, Personal don't do the pleasure. pull because that just sounds like pulled pork. No. I was trying to make this no. serious today. I was going to try and be like level headed and not be inappropriate. You guys, I can't. When I'm around <laughs> you, it just happens. We just set you off, do we, Jodie? Yeah. You can't blame us, Jodie, for your inappropriateness. That's, you know. You make me into a child. (laughs) No. So for our listeners, actually, on this note, so I do a fairly serious and responsible job in the daytime. Don't we Uh, all? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was interviewing a fairly senior candidate the other day, and as I turned the page in my notebook, (laughs) I came across a drawing of uh, a rather large part of the the male anatomy that had been... (laughs) drawn by Jody when we were in the pub discussing pod ideas one time so I've had to draw my notes around the same picture <laughs> yeah. Yeah. luckily I work from home could the interviewee see the cock <laughs> no fortunately it was on teams otherwise it would have been a bit more embarrassing but yeah anyway welcome back to the podcast Jody. I think it's uh, only appropriate that we start with an update of your current physical state yeah it is becoming a true habit now. We start the podcast off with, why has Jodie been an A&E this weekend? <laughs> so I played at the weekend, perfectly good tackle, 10 minutes into the game, screaming with pain. I went down like I'd been shot, couldn't get off. I was convinced I hadn't broken it because I'd broken a leg before. So it was like, oh, it's just a bad sprain. I'm being a pussy. Let's try and get back on. Couldn't stand up. I'm like, ah, ouch. So I come off, I hobble around a bit, do a bit of hopping. And I'm like, maybe I should get this checked out because this hurts a little bit. Go to A&E, get a little scan, a little x-ray on it. And yes, I have a fracture on my fibula, a little hairline one. So it's not too big. That's me out again. So your catalogue of injuries for the season. So what have we had? We've had First one giant was a gash. Black eye to the left eye. Then I had yeah. a giant gash down the middle. Oh, actually in pre-season, I went over my ankle as well. I had a gash to the head and then I had another black eye, which basically took my eyesight away from me for a full month so I was almost lost my eyesight uh, I think I've been into A&E now six times this year oh my god I think that's why the nurse on strike it's just me Jesus it's, yeah it's too much now like, do you get like a loyalty card now 
No, but I have got a seat with my name plaked on it. Because <laughs> I'm there all the time. Keep it warm for me every Monday. Slash Sunday. The nurse asks you if you want your usual and goes and gets you a cup of tea and a biscuit. <laughs> yeah, but I'm starting to learn people by their names now. Like, it's ridiculous. Oh, and I was also in there the other week with my mum because she's broke her ankle as well. So we're both hobbling around at the minute. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> this household is a fucking shit show. So I was like, uh, oh, yeah, you look familiar. Oh, yeah, you've stitched up this. Uh, you patched that back together. So I did a good job, didn't I? So you did. Saw him again. Oh, hello, you again. I'm like, you're joking. Hiya, you're all right. Rugby? Yeah. So, yeah, I'd become first term. Don't know his name, but I know Hazel. She's nice. But, Jodie, you've only mm. got injured since moving to the back. I know. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because when I was in the forwards, I didn't get to get up to speed as much. So I didn't have that full-on collision. When you were forward, you're a bit slower. That is slower. a good point, actually. Yeah, I think you get injured in the back more because you hit top speed and then someone else is hitting top speed and clashing with you. But if you're a forward, it's more pick and go. It's short bursts. You don't get hit top speed. And usually the person you're tackling is going to be a forward as well. So they're usually stood still most of the time. So it's They're soft and spongy to run hang into. Hang on, unless you've got it's Molly running bullshit. at you. The opposition. <laughs> the opposition. <laughs> You're not doing very well about getting back into the forwards by offending us all and now saying that we don't hit full speed. That is my full speed. Anyway, I'm not doing very well getting out of the forwards when I can't even play and disable myself. not doing very well staying week. in the backs at this rate. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> not doing well staying on the pitch, let <laughs> 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 the forwards or the backs. Oh, God. Jodie, look. Yeah. I know we had a bit of a chat off air and I know you're actually pretty upset about this mm. and we are taking a piss, but. Look, yeah. these things happen. It's a rough sport. It's very unusual to get a run of injuries like this. I've only ever had a couple in quick succession, but nothing on this level. But mm. chin up, you'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, Molly, you must have had a few injuries like this one after the other, have you? Not really. And I know that's <laughs> not helpful. I had a concussion, a broken, well, I broke three of my fingers. And then, oh, what did I do? I rolled my ankle. The only injury I had to take time out for was concussion. And that was when I was 21. And then obviously did my MCL uh, last year. But apart from that, touch wood, I haven't. Definitely jinxed myself Sunday. But again, I play in the forward, so I don't hit full speed. So what's the moral of the story? I'm not sure there really is one, apart from don't play in the backs. Don't give Jodie the <laughs> ball, <know>. basically. <laughs> yeah, she, she only gets ball, injured in a tackle. <laughs> So hopefully this is all the injuries for the rest of your rugby playing career out of the way now. So that is the you hope. Know, you can just you can come back fighting fit, safe in the knowledge that you'll never have to go through this again. Mm. Maybe you need to there make an offering my, uh... to the rugby gods. You know, some sort of yeah, sacrifice. A pledge, my body not sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what it is, Jodie. Maybe that's a period of abstinence. It sucked your powers. Yeah. Maybe your power, you know, and your lost my resilience mojo. comes from getting laid regularly. Mm. So now you've been without for so long, you basically lost your mojo. That could be, yeah. But I broke my leg and I was getting some. So that was, I mean, not recently. You, you weren't getting some while she broke your leg? No, no. <laughs> well, I was getting some, one hit me. That was it. Yeah. That's pretty vigorous. Oh, can we talk about that then? I don't think we've Another discussed pet. the result. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so... As you listeners will know, we had a bet on between myself and Katie. If I see if I go till Christmas without sex, uh, I was trying to think of a better PC word, but I think we've passed it on this pod. Jiggery pokery. Yeah, a bit of how's your father? 
that was I think the bet was placed in September or October now years ago it was and the forfeit for it would be for either one of us if I managed to not go and have sex I would then get naked and do a full lap of the pitch at Birkenhead away however I did manage I haven't had anything so it meant that Katie had to do it although on the way up to the game yesterday uh, on Sunday even we decided that it probably wouldn't be a good idea, not for Katie, but maybe for people like Goose, who have to then do all the paperwork once we got a complaint through the RFU. Yeah, at seeing <laughs> Katie's flaps. <laughs> yeah. So she, yeah. bless her, she was like, oh, "I don't want people to think that I'm like backing out of it. I don't want people to think that I'm worse." Like they don't. Goose is going to thank you in the long run. Yeah, they absolutely do. I've said all along that she wouldn't do it. She is going to do uh, it. I gave her some some strong legal advice, if I can put it that way. <laughs> if she couldn't do it at that particular venue, it would save me a massive headache. So mm. as a backup, we did have Lily's dad there. He was a police officer, so we could always have just staged a fake arrest to get rid of her. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't she just do it at home? Why don't we just do it? Yes, like, so that's the alternative. On, on the that's the alternative, well, but we're not going to disclose where. when or where because we don't... When. Yeah. So if you're in the current Nantwich area, this is a really good reason to come down to every <laughs> single home yeah, exactly. from now until the end of time. Yeah. It's going to happen in the near future and yeah. it will yeah. happen, but we can't have any photographic evidence because of obvious reasons. No. But yeah, I won it. Yeah. So it's actually well in total five months without anything. Well, and it's okay. cost you two black eyes and a broken, a broken leg. leg. <laughs> yeah. And a twisted ankle. And a gash to the face. Wait, yeah. wait. <laughs> <laughs> The only gash you've had in weeks. <laughs> 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 oh, what have I actually got out of this? I've lost. New <laughs> lost your superpowers. Lost there all my superpowers. I don't even get to see Katie yeah. naked. What have I worn? <laughs> oh, well. You got an extra gash. I Nothing. mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I thought we'd just kick off with a little bit of a discussion on some news just in. So, Molly, I think I'm going to throw this over to you because I know you feel very strongly about this. So, the RFU announced today that they're going to make a, a rule change, or rather a law change, about the tackle heights. So, tackle height has been mega contentious for some time now since they've introduced some fairly tough laws to prevent high tackles that are seen at all levels of the game. A lot of red cards, a lot of games that have been influenced by what can sometimes be accidental high tackles i don't know whether there's been any research about whether it's reduced the occurrence of head injuries or not um but the latest advice or latest instruction from the rfu is i think one step too far but anyway molly i'll throw it over to you i know you feel pretty strongly about this so rugby league tackle height is literally shoulder height they go chest and they bang each other and i went to watch warrington about four months ago and that is far more dangerous than anything we do in rugby union like don't get me wrong I think the refs have got to tighten up on it they've obviously changed the laws in the scrum to reduce injury and the chance of obviously you know getting dementia and all those things which is great but ultimately rugby is about tackling people and I think taking away the kind of chest area like tits and below area they're just going to kill the game because every tackle is going to slip up above belly button height. And it's just like, and also this is what I was thinking, not to be horrible. If you've got a saggy belly, you've had a baby, your belly's a bit below your short line. How fucking low have we got to go? 
I don't know. I just feel like it's going to kill the game. There's going to be so many penalties. It's going to turn into basically a game of touch because you're just going to be stopping every five minutes because there's a high tackle. And I think the research that they've done in France and New Zealand and in other countries, they can see all the research and that it's not made a difference. That's absolutely fine. But English rugby is a bit brutal and it is a bit kind of, oh, accidentally scragged a shirt and stuff. And I just feel like they're just trying to kill the game for something that actually we've been playing for years. And I just think it's disappointing. Doesn't it as well make it harder for taller people? You know, somebody that's four foot nothing, tackling majority of the players around them below a certain height is pretty easy. But yeah. I know from personal experience when I was playing, every now and again I would come up against an opposite number who would be significantly smaller than me. And I was constantly being done for high tackles or certainly struggling to get low enough. Because when, when they dip to try and evade a tackle, you've got to pretty much gun your belly. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I just think they're going to kill the game. And I get people get head injuries. But if they use the correct tackle technique, I've had one concussion in 20 years of playing rugby. So I don't think we should be learning the tackle technique. I should think we should be focusing on teaching people to tackle better. I don't think it's going to help the game of rugby grow. We're already struggling. And again, like going back to rugby league, they tackle literally round the shoulders. And if they change it in that, they're going to kill their game as well. I feel like you can't do anything anymore no. without someone going, oh, do you know what? That's a bit too much fun. There's a little bit of risk there. We're going to take that out. And I get that we've got to be head conscious and I, and I understand the research behind that. But if your tackle technique is correct, there's absolutely nothing wrong with what we're doing right now. No. And, you know, and again, like you say, I mean, I had one concussion and that was a, a free training injury. And I've seen a handful over the years that are pretty nasty. Goose, you've had a couple, haven't you, I think? Yeah, I've know, had maybe. a couple of concussions. But then I always think I came to rugby really quite late. I was 26. 28 when I started playing rugby so unlike Molly and Jodie and yourself Bathy you know you played rugby from a young age so you have that muscle memory of getting low if that makes sense I know I'm still high in a tackle my brain tells me to get low but it doesn't compute because it's not it's just not there sometimes but the thing for me with this new change in law is it like you all know I've had umpteen issues with my knees forever I am getting as low as I can, but there are some players that I will never get that low to be able to tackle them at belly button height because my knees simply will not allow me to do that. Short of kneeling on the floor and tackling them, it ain't going to happen. And it's going to put players off who are coming into it at my age and above who have similar health issues, but really want to get into an active sport to help those health issues but who will be penalised in a game because they physically can't get that low. There's no way if somebody like Holland's head ran at me, I would be able to get down to her belly button height. She's a good two foot shorter than me. It's never going to happen. So it's just, I can see the thought process behind it, but in practice, I don't see how it's going to work, if I'm honest. I'm more with Molly that if they went, say, armpits and below, that works. That makes, more sense, that makes far much more sense. We can do that. That's what we are doing anyway. But yeah, I mean, the one time I did get that low, I got a concussion because I hit the hip bone of the opposite Ow. player and she knocked me out. So, you know, it's it's just as dangerous getting that low. Short of tackling them around their ankles, oh. I'm not sure what else they can do. 
Just a quick one, though, right? I've just read the another article about it because, shockingly, I'm gobsmacked that they've actually approved it. And they're saying that it's waist height down, right? Some people have got a fucking high waist. Like, how are they going to police this? Like, I understand that, obviously, it's ref's discretion and everything, but it's saying evidence from our own research and from around the world clearly shows that lowering the tackle height will reduce head impact exposure. Next thing, they're going to be getting rid of scrums. And we'll be having a little, we'll be having a little uh, rock, paper, scissors to see who gets the ball. It's just jump balls, like having basketball. Yeah, it's just a piss take. 55 amateur players, here we go, claim playing the game had led to brain injuries. How many freaking people play rugby around the country? I'm sure if you ask footballers, I bet there's at least 55 or more footballers that get brain injury because they head the ball. Honestly, I'm outraged. And to be honest, I know my tackle height's good. I don't go high very often, like you said, because we're used to it. But I don't even think I'm going to be able to get waist below every time. And, And I've played for years. I mean, what's going to happen as well is particularly at pro level, they're just going to start gaming the system because they always try and find that little edge, aren't they? So players are going to run in positions that make it almost impossible to tackle them legally. You know, if you're going into contact and you're deliberately lowering your body height so that you're, you know, they're, they're already doing it, but, you know, you could easily lower your body height to make even what would be a, a legitimate and safe tackle now illegal under the laws. It'll just get gamed and... Look, I'm all for safety. I think it's really important that safety is a consideration, but I think the occurrences of serious head injuries are still pretty low in what's a pretty high-impact sport. I mean, Goose, actually, with your legal hat on... Oh, God. How much of this do you think is because of the fear of class-action lawsuits? Oh, it's massive, isn't it? I'm with you. Like, I can see that there's a need to be safe, isn't there? But at the same time, people play rugby and they accept the risk that that comes with playing rugby. I've had a couple of concussions along the way, but I accept that risk. I'm not going to lie, it does play on my mind. It's always on, you know, something that goes through my brain every now and again. But I think if they invested more in ensuring tackle technique below the armpits was safe and legal, actually that in itself is better than these tackles that we see, you know, flying around the heads and everything. And I do think, you know, there is a lawsuit going on at the moment, isn't there, with a lot of former professional players who sadly have developed brain conditions as a result, perhaps, of playing rugby. Um, I don't know enough about the case to know really what's going on with it, but I do think that we do live in a bit of a society now where everybody's trying to eliminate every possible risk going, and the fear of lawsuits is, is always a big one. I always feel like we're turning into America in that respect, which always saddens me. It's rugby at the end of the day. And if we spent more time investing in teaching players how to tackle safely with the current regime, actually that helps reduce the risks massively anyway. And I can't see this ever happening at a professional level. I don't. I think they'll trial it in the grassroots and this will never reach professional level. No, it won't. No. Here's a question for you. So if it got to the point where it was deemed that there was too much risk of you know, legal action, all that kind of stuff within the game, Say you were asked before a match to sign a disclaimer saying that if you were to suffer a head injury and, by extension, a brain injury from playing the game, you cannot sue either the opposition player or the RFU unless it's like a deliberately illegal act. Would you sign it? Probably not. I'm risk averse. That's just who I am. And I know the risks of playing rugby, but I like to ignore them slightly. But I think if I had so to, if you sign asked something- to sign something that says you're 
but taking it, yeah, you, you, that risk is is now yours to bear. I think I'd, yeah, I'd maybe not play. I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know, Batty. It's one of those, anything that you ask me to sign, I'm one of those sort of legal people. You know? So I just... <laughs> actually read the small print. I, I actually Leave read the small me. print. <laughs> <laughs> so I always worry about those sort of things. But at the moment, I'm just going along in my little own blissful world, thinking about the risks every now and again, but still doing it. Yeah. See, it's I think massive. I would sign it. Yeah. I think I would. What about you, Ma? Would you would you What's sign this claim and say, what? you know, you accept the risk? Yeah, hands down. At the end of the day, I just feel like the media around this at the moment is just talking utter shit. And I know I sound really dramatic and passionate, but you get in a car, you know you can crash it. You know you could die. You walk across the road, you know you could get run over. You cannot control that. And I get that's just day-to-day life, but you're not going to be like, oh, I'm not going to cross the road because I might get hit by a car or I'm not going to have a pint because I might, you know, might get drunk and all that things. And they're all choices and rugby's our choice. And we've all signed up to a game. We're sticking to the laws, but this is just crazy. Like, they're just like, it's dementia crisis. There isn't a fucking dementia crisis. You might be more likely to develop dementia if you play rugby okay that's fine you might also be more likely to have no functioning knees or cauliflower ears or all of those things yes less severe but people do it because they enjoy it it's like you're taking away people's choices to play a game they love and like I said you're not going to take head in a ball out of football because it results in dementia because you kill the game you're not going to make hockey balls sponges so you can't get hurt the next thing they won't be playing hockey with balls and sticks they'll be playing with like pieces of paper and like knocking things around it's just it's just ludicrous and I only feel so passionate about it because hitting somebody and this sounds awful like I'm a deranged woman hitting someone in perfect tackle technique is the most satisfying thing you will ever do on the rugby pitch that timing of that perfect tackle and we're not going to be playing rugby in 10 years if this carries on the amount of people that play rugby and the amount of injuries, like I want to see the research. I want to see the research. And if they can prove to everyone that this is factual, then fine, I'll buy it. But I'm still in. I'm still going to run around like a lunatic. I just think it's going to kill grassroots rugby and we're already on our knees. No. One thing I will say though, as a male player is that the size of players and the, and the strength and physicality of players is night and day. It's, it's so different from when I was playing properly 20 years ago. Like I remember going into men's rugby from schoolboy rugby and people bigger and heavier, but I didn't feel like there was that much difference. But now, like if I, but when I watch our first team play, you know, so if I think about it, it was only, what, 10 years ago that I was training in the same squad as, as, as the first team, not that particular first team. And there's absolutely no way I could cope with the physicality at that level. If I was younger, I'd probably condition myself to be able to deal with it, definitely. but. That in itself is a bit of a concern, isn't it? That you've got players that are you know, 20 stone, but also fit and buff at the same time. I mean, that's just fucking scary, to be honest. And, I, you know, you see in the women's game as well that the fit and strong players can be pretty scary, can't they? How do the laws work? Is there a, like, I don't know that like, ins and outs of who makes them and how they get approved and stuff, but is there ability or chance that we do it the next season and they go, this isn't working, let's withdraw it, or a way for us to complain about it or somewhere we put questions and concerns to about this. It's planning on coming in next season. I think it's probably going to be like a trial season. They probably won't say that it's a trial season, but that's 
more likely what it will be behind the scenes and they'll see how it goes and whether it carries on as a law in the game because they'll need feedback from players coaches refs you know i don't see how you're going to ref this because like molly said where my waste is might be completely different to where somebody else's waste is yeah i'm all for you know being safe and minimizing risk where you can but then on the same side you sign up to play rugby and you know what it entails it also depends a lot on the ref as well with Obviously, you can see now, knowing the refs that we know, you know exactly who are going to implement this law to the letter, who are going to take it so far. And I can name some of the refs that I'm thinking of right now, and I know everyone agrees in their own head or can think about them. There's some now that don't even implement the laws the way they are now. So it's irrelevant. It's dependent on the ref completely. They need to be more consistent in enforcing the laws as they are now. Because you watch it across the Prem games and they're really hot on it and the frequency of what would at the current level be high tackles is reducing because they're so hot on it. But at our level, you could flip a coin as to which way a ref's going to go. I mean, Jodie, you yourself, you've been subject to two high tackles which led to your lovely facial rearrangements and both should have been it red cards card. that never happened yeah. <laughs> yeah. or even a penalty I think it got yeah. turned over at one point <laughs> I was going to say for the first one that you got the other side got the ball and it was like hang on <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is right and this is just me I feel that there'll be a study that comes out in five years time to say unfortunately we can't tackle around the waist because it's going to make men infertile or Women are going to be, they can't conceive as easy. Next thing will be on hip, like below the hips. Next, then there'll be like a hip displacement disclaimer. Then we'll be around the knees. And then by the time we do it, we'll just trip every fucker up because there'll be nowhere on the body that you can hit. Honestly, I'm so raging about it. I just, the thing is, Matt, I'm going to be really honest. I don't want to play rugby next season if that's what I've got to do. Are they going to stop you ripping the ball? They'll be getting rid of the handoff. So I might as well give up. Like, honestly, they're going to say no handing off to their face now because they've not mentioned that, but I know that that'll be the next thing. What do you know more? Do you know what, they? Yeah, well, maulings are pretty horrible places to be, aren't they? I mean, I've always thought that a collapsing maul is very, very dangerous compared to a lot of things that happen. Yeah, 100%. There's so much more stuff. Like, if they'd have got rid of the handoff, I'd have hated it and I've had to come up with a new technique, but it'd just be, I'd be like, yeah, fair, understand. But you can eye gouge. I know no one blows up for that anymore. You can eye gouge, hand someone to the face, potentially break the net, but sorry, you can't tackle under the tits, in between the waist and the tits, because someone might get a head injury. Like, it's just fucking mental. It's... How would you clear out a rook then, if you've got to go below the belly button? Well, exactly. Oh, my God. Is it even possible? It's yeah, a fucking minefield. You can't crocodile roll anymore, which is fair enough. If you can't tackle above the belly button, how are you going to get to the belly button? when the belly button's probably a metre away from you. What it's going to do is it's going to send rugby underground. It'll be like Fight Club. <laughs> we'll meet in disused warehouses at undisclosed locations in the dead of night. We'll give out the password on a grassroots pod. Yeah, we'll put the location in like, you know, like the bat logo that they project into the sky. <laughs> It'll be that with like the GPS coordinates and then the teams will all meet. And, you know, the first rule of, of rugby club is there isn't a rugby club. <laughs> Tackle above the belly button. Yeah. And it'd be like, anything goes. It'd be like the opposite of rules. It will be opposite of rules, yeah. yeah. The old school days. Yeah. Definitely. I'll just, I'll just bring the drinks. <laughs> yeah. I'll probably be catering. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Lee will be watching from a safe distance. <laughs> yeah. Excited to have Avonmouth ladies on the podcast. Is it Avonmouth ladies or Avonmouth women? Avonmouth Claire's ladies, we are. Avonmouth Claire's ladies, which, as I understand it, is sort of Bristol way, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We're based kind of Avonmouth Shire Hampton way, so just outside of Bristol. Fantastic. So obviously this is a, an audio medium, so I can't put subtitles on the podcast. So the Bristolian accent, I'm hoping, isn't too strong on this one. <laughs> Unfortunately, neither of us are Bristolian, so we're not really representing very oh, well. No. Got a very strong northerner, though, I must admit. <laughs> oh, have we? Excellent. That's two. Um, I'm probably the most southern of origin here, despite the fact that I live in the north being from the Isle of Wight. But anyway, I picked up your social media recently and I must admit, I absolutely loved the video you put on of playing uh, rugby wearing a nativity costumes. It absolutely made me laugh. And I just thought, it you know It was so what? cold. It was, was it? so cold. Wasn't it, what? Kath, that day? Oh, Kath, you went there that day. No, I, I wasn't there. I went home for Christmas early. Bad captain. <laughs> Bad times. So you avoided the blatant blasphemy and disrespecting the Christmas story by going home. Good call. I've seen a couple of those yeah, sorts of videos exactly. people in costumes, but that's by far and away the best one. So big up. Well done on that one. That's a good way to celebrate your team, I guess. So anyway, look, tell us a bit about your, your team and your club. So Avermouth, um, it started kind of way back in the 90s, I think. Just really chill, like social games. Um, and then... Well, sadly, um, one of the ladies, Claire Evans, later kind of passed away. So then they started doing charity games in memory of her and for St. Peter's Hospice, which is the hospice that looked after her. And then it kind of went on from there, really. And we kind of turned into Ava Math Claire's ladies in memory of her. And um, we still do charity games. Like the team's changed quite a bit now, hasn't it? Some of the daughters now of the original girls are playing, which is really cool. And yeah, we play in NC2 and it's just a proper family team and club, I would say. Fantastic. So, Catherine, you're the captain, are you? Yes. You're the captain. And Hayley, are you the vice captain nice. or you're just the, the, the team gobshite that's come on the podcast? <laughs> oh, both vice captain and yes yeah that's a really good way to describe me the team gobshite i'll take that <laughs> she does everything for me all the um annoying jobs you're very good at that's definitely a vice captain role do all the shit that the captain doesn't want to do <laughs> thanks lou yeah she's a pretty face and i'm the grapher behind the uh last season our vice captain spent most of the time apologizing for the captain's behavior on the pitch yeah. Um, we had a yeah you probably if you've listened to the podcast much uh, Katie that's come on a few times she's a, a real character but yeah on the pitch, she's not known for her diplomacy and tact let's say so <laughs> the job of the vice captain was basically talking people down off cliffs trying to stop them from joining other teams <laughs> stopping police complaints that kind of stuff we do a lot of that at Avermouth I feel like yeah <laughs> I feel like women's sure. rugby is a lot of like resolving drama and all the intricacies which goes along with kind of a team of women I think yeah, it really is, isn't it? It sure is. So, so what brought you, you two to rugby then? Are you, have you been playing a long time? You know, Hayley, ever start with you? So no, I'm brand new. Well, no, I'm not brand new. I started three years ago, but from brand new. Wasn't a fan or ever watched it. And very long story short, I came back from overseas to the UK, moved to Bristol, completely new to the area. And one day in work, saw someone hobbling over the car park. And my job currently is operations manager overseeing health and safety so thinking oh god slip trips falls what the hell's happened ran over to her to make sure she's okay 
And it turned out it's just a normal Monday morning for a rugby player. And she was just aching from the day before and completely sold the team to me. Nikki Waldron, a real key player to our team now, um, said, come along, come join. It's a great club, great bunch of girls. And from that day, I've never looked back. I, I am in. I've never been so passionate about a sport as this in my life. And sport's been a big thing for me, but very much uh, an individual aspect, so cycling or running. So. I am just the biggest promoter of women's rugby now. It's, yeah, it's, it's everything to me at the moment. I can 100% say that. So where did that passion come from, Hayley? What's lit that fire in you? I've never had this community aspect and this female support system that rugby has. I've always had a close group of friends, but it's just another, another world what it offers you to get on the pitch beforehand being stressed and having the world on your shoulders and just passing a few balls around getting that off your system and then just talking about it where normally I'm quite closed off it's just something about the rugby family where nothing's off limits and I say things I, I probably wouldn't say to my closest relatives just comes out because it just it feeds that environment of just like openness and get it off your chest and what said here stays here and just blown away by it really I think because it's so new to me I've never had this environment around me I think it's just a great way for children women to kind of get involved with and and promote the sport as such interesting you mentioned there about being you know female role models and female support network has that always been important or has that become important as you've had one do you know what I think it's become important because I have a lot of all my coaches were male um, all my real close friends. I've got a lot of girlfriends, don't get me wrong. My closest friends, a lot of them are men. So I've never really opened up to women. I think this is why I open up a lot more now. And the whole changing room environment, oh my God, that opened my eyes to just there's nothing off limits. I can't really kind of explain it better that once you go in there get it off your chest get your knickers off have a shower with everyone I'm normally quite shy that doesn't happen in rugby let's be honest and I've just had this brick wall up that I never knew for years that's just slowly coming down being around that it's just quite hard to quantify but as you can feel I feel quite strong about it yeah. <laughs> you can probably hear absolutely no I think I think yeah a lot of people say the same thing really and, and some people feel find that intimidating and grow into it some people love it from the outset and and some people, they do run for the hills and never come back. But that, yeah, that's part of the journey, isn't it? How about you, Kathy? Talk me through your rugby journey. I don't know if I've got quite the same passionate speech, to be fair, as Haley. I'm going to struggle to top that. But um, yeah, I started just in school. I was kind of one of the few, I think, in like my local area. I'm from Norfolk. There wasn't many schools that did girls rugby, but we just had like, there was a really passionate South African boys PE teacher that um, just wanted to start up a girls rugby club. Um, and I just fully got peer pressured into it. I, like Hayley, had no interest in rugby. Like none of my family played rugby. Didn't have any friends that played rugby. They just dragged me along. I hated it at the start. Like hated all the tackling. And then when, once we got like running around, I'm a true back. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. And then, yeah, I just carried on. But yeah, kind of second Hayley and saying that this is, I played for like a few teams just like growing up and growing up like locally and then over here it's just mainly Avermouth I've done club wise I play for the uni as well but it's just such a nice family environment like anyone would do anything for anyone it's a proper mix of people from all different like walks of life you might normally not normally get to interact with and 
I can't explain like the community of it all. It's just so nice to be part of. Absolutely. Again, I think the majority of teams say that, don't they? What's interesting is each team's got its own personality. You know, yeah. how would you describe the personality of Avonmouth Claire? Oh, passionate and gritty. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I think back in the day, Avonmouth was known for being quite a rough club. <laughs> so um, we're trying to change that, especially in the women's thing. People come to us and expect us to fight them and um, we're trying not to. <laughs> I think back in the day, especially the men were known for having a bit of a scrap and a cheeky like standing on people as they go over them or whatever. <laughs> but we're trying to change that to be a bit less scrappy. But um, yeah, I definitely say we're like aggressive in a good way. Not me, but we've got like really strong forwards. So yeah, I'd say like passionate probably covers it well, Hayley. I've been looking at the results in your league and um, it's fair to say you're having a fairly cracking season so far. But what wants, what we really want to know is, are there any local rivalries? Is there someone oh. that you're waiting to play? <laughs> because I think that possibly this Sunday coming... Great might, timing, might, Lou. Might, <laughs> ...might be the match that you're waiting to possibly continue to be a bit scrappy. What made you say that? <laughs> So, yes, we've played Dings, uh, who you might be referring to, <laughs> twice twice already this season, but right at the very beginning. They are a new team, I believe, to our division this year, but they are full of, of talented uni players, um, players with, I would say, a rugby background, the majority of them, would you agree, Kath? They're quite high calibre, I think it, it's fair to say that. They've got really good training grounds and coaches, etc., Whereas our team is very much a mixture of uni players, new players, parents, some that have come through the ranks through our grassroots age groups. So we've, we've really had to work hard to get to where we are this season, but we have come on leaps and bounds and we are really looking forward to this Sunday, I think it's fair <laughs> to say. Really looking forward to it. So basically, you just totally want to smash them. Absolutely. <laughs> We've also got, um, there's been a bit of a historic uh, rivalry between the two clubs. Um, they always used to play for the Oggy Man, they called it. Yeah, what is this Oggy Man? I've seen that <laughs> on your Facebook. Like, what is this? Yeah, it's, um, actually, how would you describe it? It's just like a odd, is, is it made of China or something? I've never actually touched it because it's behind Ding's bar at the club since I've been um, with Avermouth. But it's this man and it was in Avermouth colours, so kind of red and black, and they used to play for it. And then whoever won got to take home the Oggy Man. I think originally it was stolen and painted blue, and then it would be stolen back and painted back red again. But, yeah, then it turned into just playing for it. And, yeah, we're trying to get them to play us for it because last time we played them, I think we asked to play for it, and they said no, and then actually ended up beating us, unfortunately. Like I say, they are a very good team. And then they posted photos of the social on their social media of like them holding the Oggy Man. So we're trying to actually play for it this time. So we're um, getting a bit of a rivalry up, you know, to try and like make them <laughs> say yes. <laughs> actually, it's interesting you mentioned that because the theme of the podcast this episode will come out on is going to be gloating. Uh, <laughs> where, you know, where do we sit on this? Because I was, as, when I was coaching, I was all for the, the smug photograph under the scoreboard at other people's clubs. I particularly enjoyed when I was running the line, taking a sneaky selfie with the opposition 
having a little team talk under the post and things like that. But having been on the receiving end of it a little bit more in the last couple of years, I'm starting to, you know, perhaps think that, you know, there's a line that, that perhaps needs to be respected when it comes to gloating. It's a real interesting one. So me and Kath do the match write-up at the end of each game on, on Facebook and Instagram. And we always try and make it quite fair and do a fair evaluation of the other, of the other team. And even if we absolutely beast them, we like put in a nice spin out great performance, never gave up till the end, thank you for being great hosts, etc. But even when we play really well, I think sometimes I'm very guilty of downplaying it and I'll pass it over to Catherine and say, you might have to put a positive spin on this. I don't know if I'm playing our team up enough. It's a tricky one. I'm usually the one that adds the um, exclamation marks and the emojis and the this person did really well (laughs) and Hayley does all nice English writing up stuff. (laughs) She tried really well. You kept going to <laughs> the final whistle. Good try. Okay. Yeah. You, you definitely played for pride right until the end. Yeah. yeah. But I'm also really um, aware of not giving too much away. So I don't want to say in what areas we performed really, really well, because in case the team we're playing next week, read it, they'll say, oh, yeah, they're really good on the rooks. That's how they overperform. Right. We really need to train our rooks this week. So again, it's a balance of how much you want to give away. And not oh. give away any training secrets. And you just <laughs> gave it away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I probably spend far too much time on the write-up than he actually needs to, and not that many people probably read it. I'm all for a really controversial write-up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not allowed to do it, that's why. And you're not a player anymore, that does help. <laughs> yeah. I always used to like the other team's write-up, you know, particularly with Dictum 80-0, it'd be like, yeah, you know, they had some very strong forwards and they played really well, but we kept going right to the final whistle. It was like, no, you gave up at <laughs> half time. Your coach was bitching and moaning. Half your players were pretended they were injured, so they have to play. See, we've had some absolutely slaters. When we've beaten them, they've been, oh, that was luck. And, and they only got through because one of our players got yellow carded and one team really went for us one right up, which was, it was quite shocking to read, but quite funny at the same time. Don't get me wrong, but uh, definitely need to beat them again to see what they write up next time. You know, I think gloating has its place. I think it's good to to celebrate, but I think when you start putting like videos up and what an amazing try from some eighteen stone <laughs> Samoan that's just coming on loan from somewhere, yeah. there's a point where it's no longer fair play and it's just downright irritating. <laughs> but one of the things we talked about, I remember when we had an, uh, did an interview with the extra girls, extra Saracens, that always good fun. They were lamenting the state of some of the the clubhouses that you have to go visit in terms of changing facilities and things like that. What's it like on your circuit? If you have to shower in urinals or anything as unpleasant as that, <laughs> that seems to be the case down in, down in Cornwall. No, I'd say we're quite lucky in our division, in our geographical area. A lot of the clubhouses are actually really good. In fact, some of them are these state-of-the-art sports complexes. Um, it is an area we're working on now at Avonmouth. Me and Kath have taken the lead on applying for some funding because COVID did it hit us hard and some of the areas we wanted to renovate, etc., unfortunately went on the back burner. So it is an area we want to definitely work on, but we are also very lucky listening to some podcasts out there where people don't have changing rooms or a clubhouse at all. I do think our group is actually quite good. Would you agree, Kath? Yeah, I am 
I don't think ours are the best, like, state-of-the-art facilities, don't get me wrong. It's not the nicest of clubhouses, but it is still, like, we love it. It's it's good for us. There's some things we'd like to improve, the showers and the toilets and that kind of thing we're trying to sort at the moment. But um, it's not quite – we've been to some that um, there's, like, heated floors in the changing rooms and stuff and – showers actually work and that's like a dream we're not quite on that level (laughs) wow I don't think I've been to many of those in my time yeah there was a lot of Range Rovers in the car park to be fair (laughs) we went to one with gold taps do you remember the one with gold taps yes (laughs) gold tap yeah so they sold their club uh the lands to Sainsbury's and they bought another piece of land I think is it it's not is it Carlisle it's either Carlisle or Kendall one of the, the Lake District clubs and they made so much money from the sale, they literally had to figure out ways of spending it because they just got so much money that they didn't know what to do with. So they've got literally gold-plated taps in the oh toilets. Wow. Yeah. That's Lounges impressive. Lounges and things. That's yeah, they have chairs. Yeah, there's actually heating and stuff like that. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiled. Yeah, exactly. Who's the team liability on the night out then? Ooh. It's probably our biggest drinker. It's probably Holly, I'd say. Yeah. He's the one that will drink anything and absolutely everything, but then she'll hit the deck um, pretty hard when it does hit her. But she's a great character. Very interesting picture of Holly on your Facebook, actually. There you go. See? Uh, (laughs) That was the most awful drink for her birthday. I mean, I've seen some people get done over on their birthday, but that was just another level. There was everything behind the bar went into that pine glass. and. She drank, there was even crisps in there, smoky bacon. I mean, does that even exist anymore? It does behind our bar. But yeah, she she drank it. She puked along the way, but yeah, she, she put in a good performance. Fair play. Fair play. So what have been the challenges that your team slash club have faced over the last couple of years? Obviously COVID being the big one, but you know, around that, what, you know, what are the main things that you struggle with day to day? I think numbers is a big one. Would you agree, Hayley? Yeah. Um, yeah, just trying to get 15 out on a Sunday. We're like historic for having same day or the day before dropouts. Um, some of them for like very valid reasons and others for slightly questionable reasons. So we've just been like working so hard on the recruitment drive to try and make that not an issue. Um, I've even started buying wine for people to bring in, <laughs> bring new girls to the club because I was like, it's not worth the stress of the weekend that it brings me. I'll just buy you all wine instead to bring your friends along. That's it. You've signed me up. I'm coming. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well. You almost had it until you said that you were starting to tone down the aggression on the pitch. She was already <laughs> polishing her boots and booking a train ticket to Bristol, and now you've definitely won her over. That's yeah. the night, so. <laughs> yeah. So, by the sounds of it, the availability ghosts exist in Bristol as well. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I feel like we've got quite good at um, the last few seasons playing like 13 aside rugby. So when when it comes to that now, we, um, we're we quite good at it, to be honest. Like, so when we play, like Hayley, we were saying, weren't we, that the backs, I don't think we've had a back sub off for like two or three seasons. <laughs> it's not even an option. Not an option. Yeah. You, you're doing the full game. That's it. Like yeah. your leg's broken, but you have to carry on playing. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't let your teammates down, do you? Yeah. <laughs> Think of Imagine the if we lost it we blamed it all on you. How would you feel then? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Literally. And, you know, having wingers go stand at the back of the scrum or stuff like that is 
it's a bit like that sometimes. But um, recently we have, like like I said, worked really hard on the recruitment. So we're starting to see like good numbers. What was, we had like 26 or something at training the other week, didn't we, Hayley, which was really yeah. nice. It's definitely getting there. It seems to be in a curve. We get loads at pre-season, nice sunny weather, everyone's training to get fit for holidays. And then the start of the season comes, it's starting to drop off again. And then mid-season, they kind of come back in again. It just seems to be that curve every year. We've never really seemed to get a, a continuous high level of numbers but it is getting better we, we are getting there um our grassroots are definitely helping we've got some very strong under 18 players coming up which is really great to see that's exciting then prospects of bringing through some youngsters in do you have like um an, another team that's fairly local that kind of takes a lot of your available potential players away from you not really. We have lent out players um, to other teams. We have lost two <laughs> this season, but I think they were wanting to leave the team anyway. So we, we have left, we have lent players, but I don't think it's really been a problem that they've gone elsewhere. No. Well, there's several local teams about, but a lot of them are having the same issues, unfortunately. But there's a few teams that kind of have links with like Bristol Bears and things like that, that seem to, there's a bit of a pathway for them if they wanted to progress. Um, so I think that's, the difficulties that some of the other clubs such as Avermouth that don't have that have had kind of retaining those players but obviously like we understand if you want to like push yourself then go for it um never stop anyone from doing that yeah it's just trying to make it fun and exciting and socials and tour and keeping everyone happy so they want to stay Avermouth yeah it never stops that does it no no it's, it's a really good point yeah, and these these local feeder clubs that do feed onto the big clubs like Bristol Bears, if a girl is serious about her rugby and that is the the best way to get to that level, then you have got to encourage it. But I do wonder in years to come, is that going to make a big effect on on grassroots, the local teams? If they all just aim for these bigger clubs, what could happen? Hopefully it won't happen in the future, but time will tell, I guess. Sounds like a very familiar story. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You never want to stop anyone from progressing their career if they're really keen on doing that within ladies rugby. But also you're like, hmm, could you just play for us a bit longer? <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> we've got an important match this weekend and <laughs> we need you. You're only you're 17. You've got your whole life ahead of you. Give yeah. us another couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Actually, there's a serious point there. Because I do think that the pathway system sometimes does rush players into the top flight rugby too quickly. Uh, I think, you know, 17, 18, a couple of years in the trenches with a fully grown adult women's side playing pretty average rugby is a good place to learn the game. I think it under 18s rugby, whilst it's comparable in some respects to to the, you know, full 15 side women's game, there's a lot to learn and there's also a big difference in the physicality. And I think Absolutely. what often what you see happen is that they'll get onto these pathways and get into the development squads and so on and you know, you can see why they do it. I mean, I cocky, I'd have done it at the same age as well. But an awful lot gets spat out the other end when the intensive training ramps up. The feeling of the team environment is very different, and ultimately, the, the physicality is you know ten times greater than what they're used to. Yeah, completely. Yeah, agree. I agree. I think I heard you talking about that on your one of your other podcasts, just building up your rugby IQ before you kind of look to push yourself a bit further. I suppose. Yeah, I, I think it's so important. Good. So in terms of this season, what are the aims that you've got? What are the, what are the objectives you're setting yourselves? Smash dings. Win the Oggy Oggy Man. No, number one, <laughs> win the Oggy Man. We were talking about this to our coach the other day. 
she said, look, we'll be really happy with like mid table because we are in our infancy and we are in this kind of forming stage with the team. But um, I don't think I'd be happy unless we're top one or two, to be honest. And well, top one to three, I think we deserve it. I think the talent's there. I think the, the hard work's been done. We just need to make sure we don't react to the pressure on the day and play our game. So for me personally, I would love to see us up there on the top three positions. We've we've had a tough season this season because we've had a change of geographical area in our division. So we've had quite a lot of NC1 teams come down and only a couple come up from NC3 where the old geographical area we were attached to have had the opposite. So we've been playing, we've been pushed to play some real hard rugby at some real high levels. So I'd personally be gutted if we didn't get one of those top three spots. Well, from well, the looks of the table, it's it's looking very possible. It's talk, isn't it? Mm. I think we should book a podcast follow up the day after the final game. Yeah, I'll do. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, absolutely. It'll either be look, you know, we we tried really hard. You know, we kept playing till the end, or you'll be living the dream. <laughs> yeah, one of our diplomatic Facebook posts. I think <laughs> you do. You, do. you well, need some. Definite mm. selfies under scoreboards, you know, robbing kit from other people's clubhouses and that kind of stuff, and you know, <laughs> displaying it like you would a shot animal on a safari or something. <laughs> With the oggy man painted red again. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. I yeah. feel after this podcast goes out, they cannot say no to this oggy man. Now they've got to be up. It's got to be up for grabs, hasn't it? The pressure we're putting on it. I mean, that sounds like it could be the be all and end all of every season for all eternity now. Yeah. Sounds like they're scared, is what I think, Matt. <laughs> it's like, fuck the league. We don't care about the table. We just want the Oggy Man. Yeah. Absolutely. We want to put a wig on him, a skirt on him, and paint him red and black again. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Wales and the Six Nations, isn't it? They don't care if they lose every game as long as they beat England. That's what it'll be like for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it will be. We'll be good if we lose. I feel like I need to see the picture of this Oggy Man now. Please send a picture. Oh, yeah. we'll get you on because they, um, like Kath said, although we, they weren't allowing us to play for it last game, the they very valiantly put a picture of their winning score with the Oggy Man straight after the match that they wouldn't allow us to play for. Um, so we do have a picture of it. We'll send it on. I will add that it was one of our players that they poached that was holding it in the photo as well, oh. which just twisted oh. the knife a little bit further. Yeah, that didn't go down well. <laughs> <laughs> so I think by the time this podcast actually goes out, you will well, you will have played. So we should maybe do a sound bite or something with the actual results yeah that'd be quite cool wouldn't it oh my god I'm really excited for you actually yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to find out your result you better win I don't imagine if we lose now oh god the pressure no pressure I know podcast is resting on it the millions of <laughs> listeners are waiting <laughs> we need a, a voice note win or lose yeah we will yeah. We'll have a good sub story if we lose, but yeah. I'm pretty sure we're going to come out with a I don't want excuses. We did it. The truth. Yeah. No, no excuses. No excuses. We'll we'll definitely perform on the day, I'm sure of it. Last question for me. What's a shower etiquette like for an Avonmouth ladies? <laughs> I don't know. What's a shower etiquette? Do you know not many people use it? <laughs> I think we've got quite a few shy players, so there's yeah, That's it's just normal. There's Some nothing that outrageous okay. happens. Some people just strip off, get fully naked and jump in and others just like go home muddy. It's like a proper mix. But um, I'm one of those who go home muddy, so I don't really know the state of the showers, but I've heard that it spits out dust at you. Oh, my <laughs> So, yeah, I think that probably puts a lot of people off using the showers, <laughs> hence why we're trying to get them fixed. 
<laughs> Every club you go to is exactly the same. It's really funny. But apart from there's a couple of clubs in the Northwest where it's like some sort of, well, apparently, thankfully I haven't been in there, but, uh, but it's like some sort of Swedish nudist camp, I think. Um, <laughs> See, ours isn't like that. Ours is very much, there's the odd couple that are, are quite comfortable and fair play. I wish I was like that, but I'm one with many others that if I do go in the showers, it's still a pair of shorts is still on. Um, everything else is fine to hang out free, but there's still a little pair of shorts there. <laughs> I work I do like the pitch side like sports rehab for the men's side and I don't know just local rugby sometimes and I've seen a lot of free men they um they don't even wait for you to pick up your bag and leave the room they're all just like getting undressed and you're trying to run through them so I've seen far too much to be fair (laughs) (laughs) earlier on in the podcast run we kind of had this sort of mini campaign to to try and encourage people to get clean after matches but I think it's uh, probably not never going to happen yeah mm, probably yeah. Not. I think I mean I have a shower there but I'll have a shower but always go back and bath afterwards just to make sure because I don't think you can ever get all the mud off you after a rugby game no 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 I've, I've been to showers where yeah I've been to rugby clubs where I've had a 10 minute shower and I I still look like the bog monster afterwards because exactly zero. <laughs> and so I think some pitches as well have a particular type of mud that's sort of mixed Die. in with super glue or something yeah I agree. Yeah, bad times. Um, in terms of yeah, a general message from your club, if somebody was listening to this and thought, actually, these guys sound like a fun team to play with, what advice would you give to somebody that was thinking, you know what, I'm a bit nervous about this. I'm not sure it's for me, but I kind of want to have a go as well. Oh my gosh, just start. Like we get so many people that have never picked up a rugby ball before. Um, that's where... I'd say quite a lot of our recruits come from people that have never done it before. Um, we've got people of all experiences, people who pick it up really quickly. So just just come, give it a go. They won't push you in the deep end really quickly and make you tackle the first time you arrive. But it's just such a fun sport and a great way to keep fit and make friends. Absolutely. Come along, take it at your own pace. Um, we're very lucky to have a female head coach. So I think she's aware of the nerves and particularly ladies can have with contact so she does deliver the sessions at all different levels to cater for that but yeah big bunch of friendly women come on down give it a try fantastic no better way to end than that i think so ladies thank you so much for joining us on the pod it's been absolutely delight having you on thank been you fascinated thank and you really so enjoyed uh, seeing your your social media work and you know best of luck with that and good luck for the rest of the season thank you very much thanks for your time thank you so much lovely to chat to you both He's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I, the rock, I, the river, I, the tree, I am yours. Your passages have been paid. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. The Greeks had Socrates, Romans had Cicero, the French Descartes. And this is the Shakespeare of grassroots women's rugby. This is where legends are made. Shez says. I don't even know how podcast So I think we need to start at the top with the massage, Sherry, don't we? Because it sounds to me like somebody tried to do you a good turn by getting you a nice massage for Christmas or something. Yeah, and it didn't go and it well. it spiraled from there. I got Pim or Pam. It was one or the other, but the experience was the same. 
I rang Batty about it. On the, he was on his way back from Chester. He laughed so much, I thought he was going to crash the car. I thought he was going to crash. You probably sent his blood pressure sky high just having to listen to your story. It's already sky high. So talk us through the process, Sherry. So you thought, right, you know, you had a little window of time in your otherwise busy schedule. You're walking around with a blood pressure monitor attached to your arm. I've been ill all over Christmas with the virus. And then obviously while I was ill with the virus, I ended up in hospital and they found out I had dangerously high blood pressure. So she told me it's nothing to do with what you eat or drink or whatever. I just need to take time to chill out from time to time, which I know I don't do. So on Saturday, I decided I would go to have this massage because somebody bought me a voucher for Christmas. So I thought, do you know what? I don't normally do it. I've, I've done this and the washing and the dishes. And I thought, no, I'm going to do it. This is She's advised this. So I've rang up the place. I won't mention any names because I don't want to do them out of business because some people may like to be broken. Personally, that's not what I went for. So I got in touch and she said to me, can you come at 11 o'clock? This was at quarter to 10. I said, yeah, that's fine. She rings me back five minutes later and said, lady, lady, you need to come now, 10 o'clock. I said, well, that's in 10 minutes. I can't get there in 10 minutes. Oh, well, it have to be 12 o'clock then. I thought, well, this is a red flag from the start. Something's not quite right here. So I went down there for 12 o'clock. There's a sign on the door. I back at 12.10. I thought, oh, my God. First, she cancels me at 11, moves me to 12. Then there's a, a sign on the door. I, sorry, 12.10, I busy. And as you know, last time when I got pim and pammed, it was pretty serious. I had no idea what a Thai massage was. I thought I was going in there for some two little five-footers to do basically nothing. So I told them to go hard or go home. And we all know how that ended, nearly with me in hospital. Couldn't walk for a week. So this time I did my research. So I went onto the website to check what they do because I did not want another chopping. (laughs) Actually, I even told her on the phone. I gave her enough opportunity to say we don't do that. So I'll read it out. I've got it here. This is what I rang up and I said to her, I want the Swedish massage. It says here, off their website, I might add, I quote, (laughs) I feel the stress disappear as your therapist applies pressure against your muscles, a deep massage in the direction of the blood returning to the heart. This improves circulation, relieves tension and stress, and improves your health and well-being. That is perfect. And lowers your blood pressure. pressure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I made it quite clear to her, I want a back massage and a foot massage. No other part of my body was mentioned because on there for the voucher that I had for 50 minutes, foot and back together in 50 minutes can be done with that voucher for £45. So I got in there, paid the money first. That was a fail. Should have waited till after. That was an absolute fail, but that's where they've got you. Gone upstairs, strips down to my underwear. My underwear it was not big, it was not small, it was medium underwear. By the time she finished, it was like a toothpick. She rolled it and rolled it and rolled it until it probably from the back couldn't even be seen. And that wasn't the kind of underwear it was. She just kept rolling. It was frightening. So anyway, I'm on the bed now with my underwear like chopsticks pointing in all directions, face down, in the all together. And I said to her, I'm just double checking with you. You know that I've booked the Swedish massage. The Swedish massage is what I want and a foot massage. I must have said it about 20 times because I was quite traumatized from the time before when it all went wrong. She said, Swedish massage, lady, Swedish massage. I went, yeah, the Swedish one. Brought it up, brought the picture up, quoted to her that exact thing that I've just read to you. 
She said, ha, 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 we know nothing about Swedish here, love. By this time, it's too late. Basically naked. I said, what do you mean you don't know about Swedish? It's there on your website. That's the one. You lie down. I feel your muscles and I decide which one you need. Oh, that was that. And then we went back to Pim and Pam. She was jumping up and down on my back like a grasshopper. It was like something from Cirque du Soleil. I couldn't see it. I could just feel it. She was upside down walking on my back on her hands. How did that even happen? Then she got my legs, doubled them over, and put me in a nautical knot, flipped me onto one, flipped me onto one side like how you turn someone in the hospital who's got a pressure sore, and started chopping me with her knees up and down my whole body. It started from my toes and ended at my hair. How did that happen when I asked for a Swedish back massage? And every single time she rammed her knees into my spine, it went, and she was going, I like it. Crack, I like it. Crack, I like it. She kept saying, I like it every time a piece of me cracked. What is that? What is that? She turned me over and did the front of me from top to bottom. There was no way that my front should have been done. Back and feet, back and feet. I couldn't have said it any more times. I was in there an hour and 10 minutes. He only paid for 50. And she got some warm oil, sprayed it in my eyes and gently massaged my eyeballs with her fingers. She massaged my hair. I come out of there looking like I'd not had a shower for about six weeks. It was frightening. So basically, the moral of the story is these Thai massage people, there is no such thing. They only do Thai massage. She might have 10 different ones listed on her website. None of them are an option. They know that once you have had your underwear turned into a G-string and, and paid, they can do what the fuck they want. And they're only doing one thing, which is a Thai massage. There's no options. And that is it now. I've drawn a line under Thai massage. I'm not going there again. Absolutely not. It was under false pretenses. Why has she got a hold of my boobs? Why? When I'm having a back and foot massage. And she just kept saying, I like it. She pulled every finger like that. Crack, crack, crack. I've got, I think I've got three broken toes. I'm not even joking. She had no need to do it. But it's not even my fault this time. Last time I did go in and say, oh, my God, what are you going to do? And then there was two of them. This time I was very, very clear. I wanted the stress relieving one back and forth, back and forth. That was it. Stupid ref, stupid ref, stupid ref, stupid ref. As you may or may not know, we have a little section on the podcast called Stupid Ref. Although, interesting story this, I bumped into a ref uh, on the weekends, <laughs> oh, who's God, a friend yeah. of mine. Yeah. <laughs> and um, apparently there's been a complaint by the Referees Association about our Stupid Ref section. So really? I just want to emphasize <laughs> that we, re- we love referees and they're massively important and we have huge respect for them. But they're also make us laugh. So. If you've got a stupid ref story... We could do one of both. We can do you a stupid one in a really good representation of a good ref. Because we've got one of both. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a very, very lovely woman who we, you know, like dearly that I will preface this with, who, oh God, she just... I'm trying to think of how to say this politically. She'll, for example, she tried to start the game on the 10 rather than the middle of the pitch. Um, (laughs) It was like a goal line dropout and she started it on the five and everyone was like shouting from the sidelines like, 
that's not the right line. And she was like, well, do you want the extra five or not? I was like, no, that's fine. Yeah, I'll take that. She doesn't like to run after us when we score. Um, She likes to watch from like about halfway. (laughs) So therefore misses sometimes when it should have been a try or shouldn't have been a try. I think they were my favourites, but I think the first time she called a goal line drop. Goal line drop um, yeah, um, we all kind of went, it was quite new into the season. I think it was the first season it was being used. And we all kind of went, what is that? And she went, well, I don't bloody well know. Just stand and start here and <laughs> kick the ball. Yeah. And we went, all right, Love yeah, no it. problem. I think she got as much frustrated with us complaining at her as we did with her in the end, bless her, because um, she had us for a few games. So I haven't seen her for a while. <laughs> oh, I saw her. I was watching a game. I saw her. We had a lovely chat. Oh, there you go. <laughs> great to hear about a female ref in the in the league though because we haven't seen a single yeah. one this season oh really yeah no we, we have a couple several yeah, yeah. we had a, a, another lady called claire who used to play for us um she works for is it england rugby she works for yeah she really? has done yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah she's well, got quite high now yeah she trains referees now so she went off to like dubai sevens and like the olympics and all sorts and she's kind of retired now but she was playing for us for a while which was really cool because she um would help teach us all the laws we didn't know <laughs> fantastic yeah so good to hear about yeah, the development of refereeing isn't it but yeah when they're a bit unsure of themselves you kind of got to help them out a little bit and feel sorry for them to some degree but equally sometimes there is a safety thing as well isn't it um, absolutely they're safe i think we can excuse most other things yeah if they're giving us an extra five or ten we're happy with that for sure as the last as the record last bit actually says yeah yeah, yeah it's all good yeah i can't go through that again you can't <laughs> you can't go through it I, I was the one who had my underwear turned into like something that would fit a five to six year old <laughs> That was before the torture started. I've realised this is what they do. Once they've got you naked and they've got your money, they don't give a fuck. They have no intention of doing a Swedish massage. They don't even know what one is. There probably isn't even such a thing. You can't run away, can you? I thought, I'll go I'll go in with my eyes open this time. I've got a plan. I know exactly what I want. I must have drove him mad. I must have told it 60 times to be absolutely certain. I was like a sushi roll. <laughs> And then she actually told me she used to work in a sushi restaurant. Oh, it's all coming together now. Chop, 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 chop. <laughs> crack, crack. I like it. Well, I fucking don't like it as I limped up the road for the second time. <laughs> I didn't even want my whole body doing. Last time I did tell them that. So that was my own fault. This time, no. No, no, no. Back and forth. Back and forth. Don't need my legs doing. Don't need to go near my calves. Too late. She was walking up and down my calves and thighs on just her kneecaps. And she was 58. Oh I don't even know how she did it. She's clearly taking cod liver oil. Fucking hell. I need some after all that cracking. Was it the Royal Orchid you went to? Yeah, on Beam Street. They were lovely. The woman was really nice and all that, but there's obviously no option other than Thai massage. There is no option. So why advertise a nice, gentle thing? You know, the thing that puts your blood pressure right. That's what I wanted. That could have been a near-death experience in my condition. Could have been the final straw. So luckily, I hadn't had the blood pressure machine on for a week, so I wasn't already inflated. That could have been it. It's a good job you didn't burst. You could have just popped. I'm just not having one again, and that's that. There's no. I would like. Could not one of you go for one and find out if it's just me or does it happen to everyone? Can no, you not go? I do feel like I want to. 
I do quite feel like I need to have the experience because maybe just soft as hell. Maybe something's wrong with me and it hurts me more. Yeah, I don't know. I just I'm yeah. actually lying there with my head through that hole, gritting my teeth so hard. I'm surprised I've not gone in the dentist for dentures. They snapped my own <laughs> teeth going, oh, my God, oh, my God. I'm like that, through the hole. If someone was under there taking photos, it wouldn't be a pretty sight. But I'm pretending to her as she's talking about all lovely things. Oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I am not fine. Far from fine. My legs are in a nautical knot behind my head. And she's not even supposed to have gone anywhere near me, legs. I think you should definitely go for one, Matt. You just can't believe that people that small can inflict that much pain. But they're putting all their body on you. They stand up. They're jumping up and down on your back. <laughs> this is surely an exaggeration, Sherry. And you go for one read and you tell me. When you come out of there crying and limping and it takes you three days to find your underwear, you tell me then if I'm exaggerating. <laughs> I'll pay money to see that. I'll be the person who sits underneath the hole in the bed taking a <laughs> photograph of your face while the grasshopper tries to rotate your head all the way round. <laughs> see if you like that. <laughs> There's another one that recommended a comeback in a month. They said that last time. No, thank you. I'm good. No more Swedish massages for me. This is it. Looking at the Facebook site now. Traditional Thai massage. Yeah, we've gathered they do that. Swedish massage. Aromatherapy massage, foot yeah, massage, yeah, head yeah, massage. Exactly. Back, head and shoulders. It sounds like you've had all of those massages. Yeah, all, yeah, exactly. Something's not right there. I paid £45. What does it say there? £45 for 60 50 minutes. minutes. Oh, well, I was in there an hour and 10. And I was done from hair to toe. And then from <laughs> foot to scalp. Is anything Swedish <laughs> happened? The only S- Swedish thing that happened there was I felt like a meatball by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> It would have been less painful to be tossed around in a walk. <laughs> I was looking at the reviews here, Sherry. Are you sure you went to the right place? Looking at I the reviews know. here. I think so. Holly Borowski, she recommends it, gives it five stars. Amazing. Walked away feeling taller and just so relaxed. My legs and back were so tight <laughs> before. More like being strung out like pasta. That's why she felt taller. <laughs> my legs were so tight before my appointment. And it's clear that Joy knows what she's doing. I love the fact she's called Joy. Did she inflict joy on you, Sherry? It's not that they're bad. They're actually very good at if that's what you wanted. What they're bad at is following instructions. Best massage ever. Totally relaxing. Because when you've gone in there and said, I want a gentle back massage, and then they're jumping up and down on you, cracking ribs, something's gone wrong, hasn't it? That's not what you asked for. <laughs> Just I've got a big practical joke. Because like Martin rang them up beforehand and said, look, Sherry's been pissing me off over Christmas for their whining. Somebody else needs to go for one and tell me if you got what you asked for. What does it say about the massage is? What does it say it involves? Does it actually say they're jumping up and down on your back and things like that? Let's let's go back to basics. What is a Swedish massage? What does it involve? Swedish massage is the most traditional form of Western massage. Relatively gentle form focused on the body's superficial layers designed to loosen tight muscles and stretch connective tissue, release cramps, muscle spasms, and loosens joints, improving a range of motions. I came out with all of them, not went in with them. (laughs) But the other way round. I went in feeling quite chilled. I came out of there fucked. <laughs> it's gone back to front on me. It's been flipped on its head. So Thai massage. What's a Thai massage supposed to be? Thai massage must maybe an effective non-pharmaceutical means of reducing back pain. <laughs> reducing? <laughs> reducing the ability to move? Here we go. 
Thai massage is a form of therapeutic touch that differs in many ways from the traditional massage. Instead of a massage table, you lie on a mat on the floor where the Whoa! provider manipulates your body in certain ways to stimulate organs and improve flexibility. Oh, that'll be why they tied my legs in a knot then. <laughs> improve flexibility. Hmm. I came out of there and oh, turned the light switch off with my foot. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> the question I've got, Shez, is obviously it's been a few days elapsed since this happened. Do you actually feel better? Do you feel more relaxed, more flexible? To be fair, when I went in, my back muscles were really aching a lot. And that has gone, but now I feel like I've been burnt alive. <laughs> Have you ever like lay in the sun for three hours in Turkey in the height of August and not put any sun cream on? That's how my back feels. Oh my god! She'd burnt me with something. I don't know what. I think the oil was too hot. You have no say in it. You're vulnerable by then. You sure didn't go to some ridiculous sex dungeon by accident. You not sort of turn left rather than right. No, I went up, not down. A dungeon would have been underneath. I was in the top room. We were on some kind of webcam. I wanted whale music and all that. That's not what happened. Dolphins. <laughs> Flowers. Scent. <laughs> twanging. Rainforest. That's what I was imagining. That is not what happened. Sounds like it was more like some kind of demolition job. It was like soundtrack to a construction site. She said, I, I sorry, lady. It looks like you bruised very easily. I've not actually seen my back. I've not looked. But what she meant by that, I don't know. I can only imagine I was turning purple before her eyes. <laughs> then she smothered me in tiger balm. Again, I don't know if that's normal. <laughs> that's probably what's burnt me. Honestly, I feel like I've been to Turkey and put and worn oil from day one. You know when you sunburn yourself in the day and then you try and go to bed at night and you can't actually lie on your back? That was how it felt for, for two nights. A hot bath was not an option. So I think this is what we do. I think we reach out to the listeners and say, right, if they contribute to our coffee account to the tune of 90 quid, then Reed and I will go and have a massage. Yeah, they do. Um, They've got double beds you can go in together. Can I please come in? No, this is definitely a solo activity. This is not a... You can come in and watch and record the audio if you want, Shares. I am. I'm going to come in because I want to see if it's only me that get this. I'm quite pally with that woman now, so I know she'll let me come in. (laughs) Her toes have been in close proximity of my face. You'll goad her into hurting me more, knowing you, Sherry. There was no goading (laughs) on Saturday, was there? And she went full whack. I got Bruce Lee. (laughs) Just asked for the Swedish massage and hope it doesn't go how mine went. Mm. I still can't understand how I had my legs done. Front and back, all of me. How did that happen? When you've booked a back massage, please tell me. What I imagine was Amazon rainforest, scented oil, Dolphins and whales, bit of this on my back, bit of that, smoothing out, and then sat gently in the chair while she massaged my feet. None of that happened. My feet got done <laughs> while I was face down. So she pulled me from behind, crack, crack, crack. Ten toes cracked one after the other. My toes are about four inches longer than they were. None of my shoes are coming out. I've had to get some new rugby boots. My... <laughs> I was a a size 7 when I went in, now I'm a size (laughs) 9. That's how hard she pulled me toes. I haven't even tried on gloves yet, but that's not going to end well, I can see. (laughs) You think I'm joking, I'm actually not making it up. This is what happened. I am fucked. The pain hasn't lasted as long as last time. Last time I couldn't walk for about a fortnight. It's not that bad, but it was as bad at the time, if not worse. 
I was lulled into a sense of security. Once I was in that top room, naked, there was no escape. Even the windows had locks on. Good job it wasn't oh, last God. this Saturday coming. I'd have been running out into the street, joining in the Battle of Nantwich half naked, just trying to get out. <laughs> It'd have been less painful to end up on the end of someone's spear than what I was going through. <laughs> I could have got in, done the reenactment on water loading, just my underwear. That would have been less painful. <laughs> oh, oh, God, Sherry. <laughs> I'm traumatised. I'm, I'm, like, I'm the verge of counselling now. It's happened to me twice. I feel fairly traumatised, if I'm honest, just from Go the chat. No, you're not far from there. Nip up. They'll fit you in. It doesn't matter what time you say. You won't get that time anyway. But you will get in at some point. I'm sorry. 12.10 now. Oh, fantastic. You're the one who told me to come an hour later. Oh, my God. She was obviously heating the oil. <laughs> what? Over some kind of gas burner. Yeah. <laughs> Over a jet feel, engine. It feels like it's in Bunsen Bernard. <laughs> it's like a oh, horrific science experiment that went very wrong. <laughs> but anyway, oh, I'm not having any kind of massage anytime soon, ever, again, anywhere. Not abroad, nothing. I'm never, ever signing up for any kind of massage because no matter what type <laughs> you ask for, you get a Thai one. And I'm done with that. Clean up. Absolutely done. <laughs> the shit kicks out of you. <laughs> or in the spirit of relaxation. I'd rather be stiff as a board. So anyone listening to this that thinks that it would be amusing to record a live Thai massage from Pim and Pam or it wasn't Joy. Wasn't Pim or Pam this time. I don't even know what her name was, but there was no Joy. Joy, that's her name. Joy, yeah. She was Joy. She was the only Joy in the room. 90 quid in the coffee account, and I will have a Thai massage. I'll try and... Encourage Lou to, if not, we'll take Sherry back again it. just for, for I'll hold the tiger bomb. I'm saying from a personal level, I'm willing to take the risk because the joy of rugby outweighs feeling depressed, feeling sad, and I'd rather have 20 years of playing rugby with the risk of potentially getting dementia than not have rugby in my life, and that's what it comes down mm. to to me. But I guess everyone's got the personal preference. I just don't want the game to not be rugby because that will be more sad. And who's to say it's a rugby that caused dementia? A lot of it is hereditary anyway. Yeah, I mean, there is research. I'm not disputing the research. I'm just saying, I just feel like I get it. I understand, but I'm willing to take the risk. But maybe the people that are playing, not everyone wants to do that. And that's what it comes down to. They've got to mitigate the risk. But then... I vape, I drink, I eat shit food. Like I do multiple things that are potentially going to give me cancer. So I might as well enjoy myself while I'm here. And that's my mentality. Oh, yeah, it's a very tricky subject, isn't it? It's mm. just a sad day for rugby, I think. And like Goose said, they're not doing it professional level. Are they saying that's because they get more medical care and assessment? So if there was early onset signs of dementia, they'd pick it up quicker. Is that why they're saying that they want to do it to... Is it what level did they say, Goose? NC1? Oh, I don't know. I didn't see what levels. I don't know, actually. I'll have to check. I don't know if they're putting it into the championship, but that would be ridiculous if they put it into the championship. So I guess, yeah, it must be everything below that. Yeah, because then you could argue Mabezi Owen, Owen Farrell, his tackle technique (sighs) is not ideal, but they're going to allow him and other players to do it. And actually, they've probably got more risk of that because they're hitting each other at higher speed, are all stronger. 
yes, they might be fitter, but surely that's an increased risk rather than us not doing it because we're less fit, less impact, etc., etc. As you can see, I'm going to shut up now, but I'm just, my mind is blown and I cried when I read it. You actually cried? I genuinely believe this is going to kill grassroots rugby and this will be the beginning of the end. Really? Yeah. I See, what I think happens sometimes with this sort of stuff is they bring out these law changes and then they, they, they release the press quite early and then they monitor what the feedback's going to be and they pick up on all of the sort of hoo-hawing and the referees going, well, you know, I thought about this situation. What happens if that happens? Not that all referees talk like that, but, you know, some probably do. <laughs> so then they think, oh, actually, maybe that isn't such a great idea after all. So in other words, I think that whilst it might come out, it probably won't come out as we think it might at the moment. I think it will probably be a slightly watered down or more pragmatic version of it. But no, look, I guess watch this space. Moving swiftly on. So before we start, I wanted to do a massive shout out to Mrs. T from the Grassroots Nomads team. So she probably made me laugh last week. So that's a key, sir. Tira, oh God, I saw this. I could just call her Mrs. T. No, Matt, <laughs> well, please have a go. On, you no, gave- she made me do it on the team announcement, so please go on. <laughs> All right, Agisa, I apologise in advance for the pronunciation of your surname, but I think it's Tiranganivalu, Kisa Pays Rugby Down South for Supreme Ladies. Anyway, we've had a bit of a competition going in the last episode or so for the best brews, and I got the idea from Akisa posting some pretty unpleasant pictures of her bruising, but it's the comment that made me laugh the most and brighten up my Monday. So. I'll read it out to you. So the day after the rugby game, I turned red and blue. The funniest part was when my bra opened after somebody pulled my rugby shirt. And um, basically, she was wearing one of these front-fastening sports bras that we've talked about on the pod. So I think that's like another lesson. I think we need to rule these out, don't we? don't understand why people wear them. I think my issue is I don't have any tits, so it's not an issue for me. But (laughs) They're not safe. They are not safe. The thought of a zipper clacking your skin, that just, oh my God, that's a whole other level of injury I don't need to worry about. Mol, didn't you say the other day before the game, it's illegal to play in zips? Yep. Thing is, next time they're going to be vetting what we're wearing. We're not going to be able to wear lace knickers because we might give ourselves a wedgie. I know I'm going on, so I'll stop. But no, you're not allowed to wear zips for contact. Okay, so you've learnt your lesson, but by the sounds of it, your physio had to come to the rescue and do some emergency surgery on your underwear as well as you. Yeah, thanks for making me laugh. And to all those listening out there, if anyone gives you the advice to wear a front fastening one, don't. Right, we're going to talk about gloating today. The reason I thought about this was because I did a, the interview for this podcast is going to be with Avonmouth Ladies, who were great fun. And they've got a, a really interesting rivalry with the local team. So they play a team called Dings. Dings. So there's a big long-standing rivalry between Avonmouth and Dings. And every year, the men's team play for this little thing called the Oggy Man. And the Oggy Man is like a, a little trophy that's um, basically a little statue of rugby player basically and it's like the michelin man doesn't it it does look like the michelin man it looks like gareth chilcott <laughs> those of you that are old enough to remember who's like a fairly roly-poly rugby player from back in the day anyway so whoever wins this game gets to keep the oggy man and then the oggy man gets painted in the team colors of the team that's won it and the oggy man is currently residing behind the bar at dings rugby club and Avonmouth obviously try and win it back every year. And the women's team are trying to get hold of this thing. They're not being allowed to pay for it at the minute, but that's by the by. But what's really good about their little rivalry is the way that they wind each other up. So there was a great social media thing went round 
the other day from the Dings team promoting the game against Avonmouth where they had the Oggy Man on the front of the pitches and they were basically just rubbing it in the faces of um, Avonmouth. It was always really funny. But then that jarred me a little bit the other day where we got beaten at home by Sheffield, I think it was. And there they were under our scoreboard, giving it large, pointing at the result on the scoreboard. And I was like, you know, that's a bit annoying. So where do we stand on this? Is it fair game to gloat and sort of rub people's faces in a little bit? Or is there a line that needs to be drawn sometimes? I think it's the yeah, full of rugby, isn't game. it, though? Yeah, I think you get into it. And there's always that one team in the league that you want to beat. And when you do beat them, you want to make sure everyone knows, including them, that you're over the moon about it. So yeah, I think it's absolutely fair game. I think taking things a bit too far is a bit too much. Being rude or slagging off with other teams is a step too far. But no, it's all in the joy of the sport, isn't it? Because we'll do exactly the same. And that's just riled us up for our next game against them. Let's not do it again. So what we'll probably do is when we go to them next time and we get to beat them, we'll do exactly the same. And we'll probably copy their caption, just put it slightly differently, just to mock them. (laughs) The thing is, what you could do is just be a bunch of cocky shits and get every celebrity that's known to man to shout out (laughs) your name. Yeah. Yeah. And then do it yourself. So what I'm going to say, right, is I think you, you need to demonstrate a bit of humility when you're by some distance best sort of resource team in the league. So, you know, if you go out and you dick a team 85-0, not necessarily because you're an amazing rugby team, it's because you probably mismatch the other team, maybe developing or maybe struggling in the league or had a, a load of injuries that day. And your team probably should be in the league above or maybe had a very good day. So if you're dicking a team 85-0, you should not be, in my opinion anyway, gloating about it. You shouldn't be putting videos of check out the amazing try from so-and-so particularly when that player in question is known to be you know like on the development pathway for professional team or something you know that's just like lax class for me but if you like playing like we used to play didsbury regularly molly keep your mouth shut we've, <laughs> we've been there a couple of times already this this uh, podcast run yeah we've still got to play them this season <laughs> yeah exactly but they were like real rivals they were one of our first ever games as a team we beat them, they beat us, and they had them. then we went on a losing run against them, and then we went on a winning run against them. And like we're mates with Disbury, I think, at least like to think we are. The relationship's pretty good in the main. So a little bit of bants is great, but when you get like some fucking annoying team large in it, it just lacks class. Did you see, though, I can't think which game it, when it was, but it was over the like Christmas break, and it was a women's premiership game. I think it was Bears v Gloucester. And... There was one player for Bears who every time there was a knock-on or, you know, an error by Gloucester, she'd be whooping and cheering. And, like, the ref kept saying to her, come on, this isn't football. Let's play some rugby here. And she kept doing it. And in the end, she'd already had a penalty against her for something. And then she cheered when one of the Gloucester players knocked it on. So he marched them back 10 to cut it out of the game. And it was really quite interesting to see that in a game because we all have a little bit of friendly gloating, don't we? It's part of rugby. We're all competitive. The bits in the game sometimes when there's constant cheering every time there's been a, a knock-on or a, you know someone's fumbled it, sometimes that grates me a bit. But to see a ref in a near-enough professional league march a team back 10 metres for that, that was quite a, quite a brave step on his part, I thought. It's not football. Let's keep it in good humour, is my view. <laughs> what do you reckon, Mal? Right, so. <laughs> oh, God. 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 Oh, God.
know, honestly, it's been a rough day. I think certain amount of banter and winding the opposition up is okay as long as you are not over the line. Now, my line, I'm quite PC on the rugby pitch, but equally at the bottom of the rook, if someone's being a complete twat, I might just <laughs> make a comment and say, do you want to have a stop having a rest, mate? Or like stuff like that. And I think that makes it, I don't know, there's a bit of banter, there's a bit of argy-bargy in the scrum, great times. Do I think when someone drops the ball, you should be rubbing it in their face and like, you know, smacking their arse and go, where's your super go on your hands, sweetheart? Probably not. But again, as long as you're not discriminative to anybody or kind of distasteful, I think a bit of banter is good. And I will have the most nasty number eight playing against me or a back row or a prop that's an absolute twat. And we will wind each other up chronic all through the game, hold them down at the rook. One of them, like last weekend, kicks me in the head. And then after a game, you shake their hand and go, good game, mate. You played absolutely exceptional. So I think in the game, you can have a bit of that as long as it doesn't cross the line. But it's for me, it's after when people are twats. Like you've played rugby, you've left it on the pitch, you walk off. It's the gloating and the digging in that we've lost or things like that. If I've just won the game 24-19 when we played Sheffield, if I was Sheffield, I'd be going off my tits. Like it's a cracking <laughs> win and I don't take it personally because they, they won. Whether or not I think they deserve to win is by the by. But they won. That's the result. Nothing's going to change it. What I don't enjoy is social media posts and not sportsmanship. I think that's where the line gets crossed. But a bit so what do you I'm... mean by that? When you say not sportsmanship, I mean, that's that can be interpreted different ways, can't it? The girl that used to play at Korean Nantwich went round loads of clubs, absolute rugby whore. Never stayed at club. Everyone knows who I'm talking about. Won't name names. Played against her. She was an absolute arse on the pitch. Walked down the tunnel. Refused to shake my hand. I don't think that's sportsmanship. No. Stuff like that. And like you play against some people who are better rugby players than you. And it's when it turns sour because your opposite number or the person you're playing against, you've put them on the ras. I got absolutely smashed at England death. Like someone put me on my arse and my ego just shattered, right? But I'm not going to be a twat to him. But like I did say to her, I said, you might want to pull your shorts up, mate. See your arse crack. But <laughs> after the game, we had a pint together and a good laugh. And we said, oh, that was tough, mate. You're horrible to tackle and things like that. So I think it's just when it turns bitchy or nasty, that's the yeah. line. Like I would never go on the pitch and go, oh, you're a fat twat or whatever. I might say in the huddle, guys they're they're fat slow and lazy let's take them down but I would never say it to their face I'd just be like having a bit of banter like if someone was crying on the other team I'd be like do you need your dummy or have you got, forgot to put your nappy on or something like things like that <laughs> but like if uh, if I tackled someone would I do an illegal tackle and then be like haha no like I would never do that but I think a bit of argy-bargy there ain't nothing wrong with that because I get it back as good as I give it what you're saying is gloating from doing something a bit shitbag-ish. Yeah. That's not okay. I totally agree with you. If like someone's won a scrum or won the ball from a scrum because they've been boring in or grabbing your love handles rather than the shirt, then they gloat about it. I'm like, that's not okay. So there's, there's yeah. degrees, isn't there? Yeah, and you don't want to hurt anyone, do you? 
Like you don't no. want to hurt anyone, but if I put someone on the arse and I'm a little cry because their ego's gone, I'd be like, "Come on, dear, help her up. Job done." <laughs> Come on, dear. Yeah, do you That's know so what I mean? Patronizing as no, well, but, like Molly. <laughs> yeah, but it's not not meant like that because when I when I've landed on my arse. The other player will come to me and be like, you all right, mate? And I was like, yeah, that was a good hit. Thanks. Uh, yeah. you know. I saw that actually last week, um, the last match. One of the players from the opposition did that as well, helped each other. Yeah, and, and I think that's what rugby's about. No, I agree, but yeah. I'll be like snorkeling in the mud trying to get to the ankles in the next five years when they <laughs> lower the tackle light again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was playing in, in Surrey, it was the, the in-joke amongst teams to, in the tackle, try and pull the other player's shirt up. So we'll have a bit of a belly on us. We're, like, we're, we're a bit self-conscious about it. So you'd find yourself getting tackled and then your arms would be pinned and they'd be pulling your shirt up. It's like, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> They're just sort of desperately trying to cover your modesty in front of the, the five spectators and a dog that we're watching. I'm a massive fan of that sort of shit. That's yeah, just light-hearted. That sort of it's not malicious. It's just a bit of rugby fun, isn't it? What you can say now is you're just looking for the belly button. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, trying to find the yeah the target line. Yeah, we won't absolutely. be eye gouging. We'll be belly button dipping, getting the fluff out. Oh, 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 no. Right, no, actually, Molly. No, you said some controversial shit tonight, Molly. But that's the line. That's it. That's taking it. Yeah, I yeah. feel sick now. Oh, oh come yeah. on! Everyone gets a bit of fluff in the belly button. <laughs> Speaking of controversial shit, I've been playing oh. around with Zencaster earlier, so I've Jesus. found a little clip for us. I'm not going to lie, yeah. if death was imminent and there was no time for anything else, probably have a massive wank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck <laughs> it out. If death was imminent. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. I'm glad this is coming back to me now. <laughs> Can you play it again? Because I feel it needs to be... I'm not going to lie. Yeah. If death was imminent <laughs> and there was no time for anything else, probably have a massive wank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. Get Wendy out, Lou. Well, it won't take long, will it? With Wendy. <laughs> That's the thing, actually. Wendy's magic, honestly. I was Two just minutes, think- job done. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> If you hear a bit of vibrating on Reed's microphone, she might have gone for a, a cheeky wank. Death is imminent. She's got to go for a wank. I thought that was supposed to be a pre-pod thing. I'm never visiting you on your deathbed. <laughs> oh my God, Reed, it's going to be in your coffin. We're going to come and like mourn your death. And then someone's going to be like, phone oh. going off. It won't be in my coffin. I'll have broken it by then. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, I feel sorry for the other passengers if you're in a plane crash. Jesus Christ. Hurtling towards death and you're like, oh, well, might as well. Lou's screaming for a totally different reason. (laughs) Oh, Oh my God. Excuse me, I need my hand luggage. Hand luggage now. (laughs) I'm experiencing a bit of turbulence. Just to get to the overhead locker. (laughs) Maybe the mask that comes down from the ceiling is... Oh my Christ. Oh, imagine if it's not crashing and it is just a bit of turbulence in there. You're just wanking there with a plane. Reed gets arrested as she arrives at Manchester Airport. She thought she was going to die and now she's in prison. Indecent exposure. Goose, what is the crime? Would it just be indecent exposure or a sexual act? 
It could be one or, or the other, isn't the it? Sex register. You'd be on the sex offenders register for that. <laughs> <laughs> a woman's yeah. got needs. <laughs> yeah, but not in public. At least if they got the emergency slide out, you'd slide down. (laughs) (laughs) Too much, Molly, too much. Sorry. I told you, I need to go. I've not spoken to anyone in two weeks. I've been on this fucking project. That's on a level with belly button fluff. I mean, come on. I'm full of it tonight, I tell you. Thank you so much, Matthew. It's much appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got a picture of Reed sliding down the slide with Wendy in her right hand. I'm not going to lie, if death was imminent and there was no time for anything else, I would have a massive one. Yeah, but do you know what? The thing is, I actually mean that. Stand by it. Yeah. It wasn't just for shits and giggles. Oh. <laughs> Lou, what if you think death is imminent and there's an asteroid coming and Wendy gets you off in two minutes and you've actually got like 30 minutes? What are you going to do for the rest of the 28? She'll have to go again. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Not say bye to your loved ones. No. Well, if, if they're near, I mean. Wendy's you know. close. She is my loved one. I can't cope tonight. Oh. I, I just see, now I've just got a vision of Lou in a plane crash in the toilet, and then they get to the wreckage, and Lou just appears out of the toilet. Like, all right, what's occurring? You know, there's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But you know what's going to happen? Imagine if we hear that Lou's been in a plane crash. We'll just look at each other, going, "Ah, she died happy." Yeah. <laughs> we'll just, no, exactly. It's what she wanted. She, she died with a smile on her face. Yeah, she died a good death. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, Jodie, <laughs> it's that time again. Knock on, knock on. Yeah, but is it that time again, Matt? That's the question. I feel like this role has added a lot of pressures. And since we started the podcast, since we started this section about a year ago, there's been a lot of pressure. And I don't feel like I've been getting the praise enough. (laughs) Get over. The well-deserved nurses, doctors, train drivers, Royal Mail, paramedics. I'm going on strike until my demands are met. Go on. What are your demands? No. No, no demands because I'm shit at this game. And if you want to strike, that's all good with me. <laughs> uh, I take you back to the time I wasn't on and Molly took over. She said something. Uh... Like, so, ah, uh, right. These are my issues. <laughs> I can't remember what I said, Judy. I say a lot of shit. I don't feel tonight is the night to pick on Molly. I feel like this is the wrong night. <laughs> Goose, she was slagging me off as well. Oh, fucking oh, Jodie, changing the goalposts all the time. All of you. you all of you. And I want an apology of every single one of you. <laughs> That's what makes it so funny. All right. Jog on. Look, Jodie, I'm personally, Jodie, from me to you, sorry that we wind you up. We need to knock on, knock off. Okay, thank we you. We value the, the work you put into it. <laughs> and even though most of the time, what no, you ask No, no, that's it. enough. That's enough, thanks. <laughs> all right. Goose. I'm sorry, very sorry. I have nothing to apologise for. I'm going to stick my <laughs> neck on the line. I'm not going to apologise. You ain't going to catch me. You're on bloody crutches. <laughs> Jodie, right. I'm sorry if I offended you, but I don't actually know what I've done. I've offended that many people that I don't know what I've said. <laughs> but 
You should just give a blanket apology, Molly, to everybody who you've may or may not have spoken to this month. <laughs> six months, actually. It's been six months of hell at work. It's been a long slog. I apologise, Jodie. I did not do knock-on, knock-off justice. However, I tried my no, best. No, that's fine. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to slag off more. Appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. Lou? Do I need to apologise? I'm not sure indeed, but what I am going to say is, I'm not going to lie, yeah. if death was imminent <laughs> and there was no time for anything else, I'd probably have a massive Oh, right. Jodie, come on, let's get on knock on, knock off. I want my tea. Oh, oh for fuck's sake, if it gets us over and done with, sorry. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When you're a bitch in a relationship, like, you will apologise to me or I will not move on. That's why I'm single. <laughs> that's why she won the bet right, right. come on Jodes we're all in tell you what it's a good job we didn't have to do the, the naked run with a broken leg Jode isn't it yeah that could have taken hours and they could hop yeah oh sweet Jesus the tits would be going to lumber if she was a horse we would all put her down yeah <laughs> <laughs> knock a knock off so today's category is Scotland I'm going to give you a list of cubs you got to tell me if I've made them up or they are real so the first one is Cullen Skink RFU Knock off. Come oh, on, fuck go. it. I'm going, going knock, knock on. on. Knock, knock on. on. Knock on. Molly, knock on. Goose, was that? Yeah, that was yeah. me, yeah. No, it is a knock off. It hey, is a knock Because it's a soup. Yes, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This is the first time I've got it right because I know the answer. Yeah, so Colin Skink is... A traditional Scottish dish. It's a thick Scottish dish made from smoked haddock, potatoes, onions, and it's mostly served in the northeast coast. Woo. So one point to Lou. Well done. So the next one is because I'm trying to not go in an order. Matt says I usually do. Bear in mind that when I said that, I then went on to get them all wrong. That's so <laughs> my observation of your pattern was completely flawed. Madras RFC. Madras. 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 RFC. Like a curry madras. Like a curry madras. Knock on. Knock on. Knock, off. knock on. Knock off. Oh, knock on. Oh, God. Come uh, on, Reed. It's a food. You well, it's food this. related. Knock on. But is it a bluff? That's the thing. Knock on. Goose, you're the only one without a point there. It is a real oh, team. For fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, they have a seniors and juniors team for the women. And a senior women's team was formed in 2012. Who knew? Cranachan RFC. So C R A N A C H A N R F C. Cranikin. Cranikin. Knock off. Knock off. Knock on. Knock off. Knock on. Knock off. Molly. Molly. I was on mute. Yeah. <laughs> what? Can you repeat that? Sorry, I've forgotten in that two seconds. Cranikin <laughs> R F C. Knock on or knock off. Knock off. Correct, Mol. Well done. Because it's a pudding. Yes, it is, Lou. <laughs> it is all food related, yes. so we need to win. It's like multi-layered, the food and Scottish. I love it. <laughs> yeah, so Cranachan RFC. It, would you like to tell them what that is, Lou? Well, it's toasted oatmeal, meal, sorry, uh, fresh raspberries and whipped cream. Ooh, it's a traditional nice. Scottish dessert. It is. Nice. Very lovely. Okay. We have next Fanny Harris Rugby Club. <laughs> knock off. <laughs> Fuck that. Knock off. <laughs> knock on. Knock off. What are you saying, Lou? You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> related. Would you eat Fanny is the question. 
No, that's not the question. <laughs> that's not the question. I refuse to answer that because Matt will probably play it back next week. <laughs> uh, so I'm saying knock off. Knock off. Okay. Yes, it is a knockoff. It is just something I made up because Fanny's Scottish. Not Fanny itself, but the the name Fanny. You made up a a team about Fanny. That doesn't surprise me. Standard. Okay, the final one. It's neck and neck curly between Lou and Moll. Oh my God. Could this be the one, Lou? Probably not, no. So, got Cum Knock, Rugby Club. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go the opposite to Reed to give her the opportunity to win. So, Reed, you go first because this is a poignant (sighs) moment in our grassroots podcast history. What's it called again, Jodie? Cum Knock. Cum Knock. Cum Knock. Oh, Cum Knock, as in one word. Yeah, Cum Knock. And how's that spelled? Cum. Cum. C U M. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Knock. N O C K. Yes, knock on. Knock on. Well, I'll have to go knock off then. Okay. Map Goose. Knock Knock off. off. (laughs) Knock off. Okay, so the final scores on that Goose, (laughs) one point. Hey! Map, two points. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) And. It was, in fact, a knock-on, Lou, so you win. No. no. Well, I have to say, this podcast recording has been very emotional. (laughs) 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 This is like, I won a knock-on, knock-off. What the fuck? (laughs) I feel like I may embark on a few weeks' worth of gloating. I thought you were going to say something else then. No. <laughs> uh, I've got a feeling I'm not going to want to listen back to this episode. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Batty's rather tainted your win. <laughs> mm. When we did the um, recording with Avon Mouth Ladies, you know, we had the bit of chat at the beginning and said, you know, me and Matt said, oh, it's really nice to meet you virtually. And said, they were like, Oh no, we recognise your voices. <laughs> so I just feel like, oh God, I'm just going to be known as the wanking girl. <laughs> oh no. It's not okay. <laughs> it's okay, <laughs> but it's not okay. You could be known as the grass roots knock on knock off champion now. I'll just be you knocking could. one off. Not knock on knock off. <laughs> one off champion. <laughs> knock on knocking one off. <laughs> Brilliant. This is Molly's Grassroots Salute. Right, I've got two, is that allowed? Number one is a general shout out to all the grounds people that I've had to work through this treacherous weather to get the pitches playable because I think ground staff just get hounded by everyone because they want to play rugby and I've seen on the women's network this week loads of people saying about the grounds people of just working really hard to get the pitches playable and there was a gif put on by Eastley Ladies Rugby and it's basically Kermit the Frog saying watching the pitches that have been waterlogged for weeks freezing over again and just that horrible feeling 
of all the hard work they've done to get the pitches playable for just the snow to fall or whatever. And I just thought it made me laugh because I know that the groundsmen and groundswomen or people just try their hardest at all the clubs to get the grassroots games on. And I just yeah, thought that totally. was a good shout. And the weather's shit at the moment. Awful. I had a message from Sarah from Exeter Saracens. Hi, Sarah. Yeah, she was saying they haven't played in over a month now. Or, sorry, in months down in Exeter because they've had non-stop rain. They just flooded their pitches, followed by the ice. Yeah, they put a picture up of their pitches and they looked like they were yeah. they could ride a boat on them. There was somebody put pictures of somebody paddleboarding on the pitches the other day. Did you see the I mean, one where the guy crazy. was jet, yeah. jet skiing across the pitch? No way. Yeah, the, I can't remember who put it up, but somebody put a video up of somebody jet skiing on a rugby pitch. Joking aside, you know, on match days, the ground staff are out at first light. I mean, they're out before most people even open their eyes in the morning. Yeah. Out with pitchforks, trying to drain standing water and getting the lines painted and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, we give them a bit of stick sometimes when they say we can't train on a particular pitch or training's cancelled last minute and stuff. But yeah, you know, um, it's pretty serious. Yeah. And then my other one is more of a ploy to the Cornwall teams. So a guy called Aidan Taylor put a post up regarding the Jill Burns Cup results for Cornwall. And Goose, you might be able to give us a bit of an insight on that. And basically, it was in 1999, the first Women's County Championship. And that's what it is based on. So he's got up to 2003 in the timeline, but he hasn't managed to get any more information. So 1999 was the first Women's County Championship. 2000 was five counties tournament. 2015, there was a tournament was resurrected and it was won by Surrey at the Stoop. 2016, it was renamed the Jill Burns Cup and the, both the finals were at Richmond. 2018, finals at Twickenham and Richmond. 2019, both finals at HQ. And then the last thing he's got was 2022, two finals at HQ for Division 3 at Richmond. He basically saying after six games in 2000, the Cornish team went quiet with only two games in two years and he wants to know if it's carried on. And I just thought it would be cool if there's any teams down there or anyone knows about the setup, if we could try and help him out a little bit. Because we don't do anything like that round here, do we? It's the County Cup. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know why Cornwall's gone so quiet. Yeah, so I just thought mm. if anyone knows or listens to the pod, that's from Cornwall or kind of that area involved in the county setup. It'd be good to know what's happened to it. Launston, if you're listening, Joey, let us know. Yeah, you're just over the border. Let us know. They're just about Cornish. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was really cool, and I just thought it'd be cool if we could get a bit of input from the Cornish teams. Great. Well, look, I think that'll do for tonight. Just a reminder to anyone listening to enter our fabulous brews of the month competition. Much as it's revolting seeing some of these monstrosities dropping into my inbox, it's also quite funny. Um, <laughs> and it's uh, a good sign that people are playing rugby. You get to win a grassroots Nomads rugby shirt. They're really cool. So we'll be able to send one down to you if you're the winner. So um, all you need to do is send a picture to grassrootswomen at hotmail.com and also give the podcast a rating in either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If using Apple, then a, uh, a little comment would be nice as well. Just screenshot that and send it with the email and we'll put you in the comp. But in the meantime, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Good night. That takes us to the end of the show. Thanks so much for listening. If you want Matt and one of the other podcast hosts to have a recorded time massage, 
go to www.ko-fi.com forward slash grassroots rugby pod. If we hit 90 quid, we'll give it a go. There is still time to enter our Breeze of the Month competition. Just send us a picture plus a screen grab of you waiting the podcast to grassrootswomen at hotmail.com. There's an inevitable conclusion to this. A brilliant finish. This is Grassroots, women's rugby from the roots up.